The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Ryan Dingle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dingle, and folks, I'm so excited about this. I'm, I'm an especially excitable person that has a reason to be very excited because I am joined tonight by Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Mike Page. Yes, the guys in the intro are back. It has been way too long. Gentlemen, what, what does it feel like to be back in action here on the Bear Down Report podcast? It's surreal. Is this, is this thing on? Am I doing this right? <laughs> no, it's really good to see your guys' faces. It's been so fun listening to what you've been putting out, Rye, and also Mike just reading the articles. Really fantastic stuff. It's like getting big time or something. I'm impressed. Seriously impressed with you guys. Hey, every, everybody has gotten a lot better looking over these past few months. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I can't speak to myself, um, but I will, I will just say that you guys are and, you know, the, the, the listeners don't get to see us, so I'll just tell everybody, just trust me, everybody's better looking now. Very, very good point. Folks, you know, if you are thinking about buying or selling a home this year, you've got to visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn more about how Jeff Cadwalder with At Properties can help you. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Visit GenevaJeff.com today or give my guy Jeff a call or a text message at 630 254 4734. All right, gentlemen, I don't know if you guys were paying attention. There was a little bit going on this weekend. Uh, and the Chicago Bears have drafted Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsom, Thomas Graham Jr., and Kyrus Tonga. Let's talk about it. Gentlemen, just overall reactions. Mike, I want to start with you. Just, just, just your gut. Like, what are you feeling about this draft? It's an A-plus, hands down. And really, they would have gotten a, a B-plus or an, or an A-minus if they only had Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. I mean, those are two first-round guys that they got. And uh, just landing those two, they're, they're very capable starters, although Justin will probably be on the back burner. Uh, probably for the f first four weeks is my guess. And then Bears fans are probably going to burn down Hallis Hall calling for uh, Justin Fields to start. But, you know, that's the future. And just those two picks alone, they get a B plus or A minus. Warm bodies give them an A. And the value that they got gives them an A plus. If, if I could give them an A plus plus, then I would. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Everybody can kind of go crazy over Justin Fields, which is understandably so. I, when, when that all happened, everybody has their own story of how they were when they saw that the Bears traded up to that pick, which is similar to a few years ago when they traded up to, to three, it was, to get Mitch Trubisky, which is very opposite to two, sorry. Um, but for me, I, yeah, you have Justin Fields. Everybody can go on and on about that. But I think the biggest thing for me was just, when I saw that we traded up into round two uh, to get Tevin Jenkins, a guy who I think I was on this podcast a, a few months ago, and I said, if we get him at 20, that that's going to be okay. That's a great move. I mean, that, that's so great. The, the fact that you traded up for Justin Fields, that's awesome. Props to Ryan Pace. Um, but the fact that you went up and you got a guy who was 
easily by people who don't even know offensive line that well like me. You can see that guy has the talent to be an NFL starter. The fact that you were aggressive enough to go up and get him, I think, speaks volumes to the job that Ryan Pace did this year. Logan, when we had Mike Gus and you on to talk about guys, I, I, I remember thinking, hey, I'll take this guy at 20 and I'll be happy. And so and I think that's that so many Bears fans are just excited that it's like, hey, we got a great quarterback. But it even it's it's more so that you got the guy that you would have been happy with at 20 and you got the quarterback that you really, really wanted. Jack, what about you? What were your thoughts on this whole thing? Ecstatic, surprised. I mean, the, the only thing that I would possibly say to give it, you know, a B plus, A minus. It's just to consider where we're at. You know, it's like when you're grading a paper and you, you come across that kid who barely puts any sentences together or doesn't turn anything in. And then all of a sudden he just comes with an A paper and, and it just knocks your socks off. I wonder to what extent we're extra excited because quite honestly, I don't think our hopes were real high. I think we wouldn't have been surprised if they would have poop the bed again. Having said that, I can't disagree with you, Mike. They were patient when they needed to be patient. They were aggressive when they needed to get, be aggressive and they got value, you know, for, for their picks. Everybody that I'm reading and listening to can't believe that he dropped this far. Can't believe that they got him uh, at that particular point, but that's not because of red flags. It's not like they dropped because of red flags. Just, I thought they got excellent value and, I was pleasantly surprised and excited. It's exciting. There was a point uh, for the last episode, uh, had a good friend of mine, Dan Goodwin on, and we were having a great conversation about Justin Fields, his strengths, some of the things that he needs to improve about in his game. And it, it, gentlemen, it was one of those things where I've got the TV in front of me and all of a sudden I see, right, as he's making a really good point, Bears have traded into this position with, with, you know, and I'm thinking, no, this is not going to happen. And all of a sudden he finishes his point. And as soon as he does, Tevin Jenkins comes across the board and it's just, it's it, Jack, I totally agree with what you're saying. You've got to temper it just a little bit because, you know, three months ago, we're talking about like burning the whole thing down. Like this is the worst franchise in the history of the NFL. It's, it's awful. It's dysfunctional. And now all of a sudden we're looking at it with, with, unbelievable optimism because it just seems like Ryan Pace didn't get hosed. What do you guys think about that? Well, I've always been a pretty solid supporter of Ryan Pace on this podcast as well. And I've, I've taken some flack for that. And it wasn't until Kyle Fuller getting cut for me to finally really question that um, kind of loyalty to Ryan Pace. I was pissed. I was so pissed. I mean, Fuller's an, an all-time bear, and to cut him just to save money on the cap had me so furious for a long time. I'm still really mad about it. But, you know, when we look back at what Ryan Pace has been able to do, historically, I've I think that he's done a really, really nice job. So I, frankly, I'm not that surprised that he pulled together a really good draft. All right. So, you know, again, we don't want to spend too much time talking about Justin Fields, folks. If you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to the previous episode, Dan Goodwin and I broke it down pretty considerably. But Logan, Jack, Mike, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Justin Fields. Is he going to play? Is he going to sit? Uh, you know, what are you kind of feeling about this pick? Super excited. I mean, 
6227 from Ohio State. The numbers look great. The eye test looks great. The arm strength, the maneuverability, he'll be able to make second and third plays. You're not just stuck with him being a drop back pocket passer. Exciting. The one thing I, I mentioned to you the day after Ryan was I wondered a little bit about his release point and you know his ability to, to get the ball off, which is so crucial in the NFL. Watch some more film. Not worried about that anymore. I think he should sit. I really do. If at all possible, I think he should sit. Uh, I think Andy Dalton was paid $10 million to be the gap quarterback. I'm not sure how good a year we'll have next year, but I think that's okay because I think the ability to be able to have Justin Fields watch and have some of these other players develop is going to be crucial. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimist, I think naturally. So I, uh, I took my time to jump up and down multiple times when we traded up, when we made the Justin Fields pick at the same time, uh, it gives you vibes of uh, a few years ago when we took Trubisky and it was John Fox there and it was everybody within the organization and the fans kind of knew, Hey, he's not going to probably be there very long. And Matt Nagy, I think is in the same position. He might be slightly more secure than Fox was at the time, but if we're being a pessimist, why do I have faith in Matt Nagy to develop a quarterback like Justin Fields at this time? I think that Justin Fields has all the tools in the world physically and mentally. It, it sounds like he is just a, a smart guy, which is a, which is an awesome thing to hear. But I think it's very fair to be a fan and to be sitting there right now and to be going, well, we still have Matt Nagy who – proved nothing with Mitch Trubisky next to nothing. So I, I, while I love the pick, obviously you can't not, you, you sit here and you think to yourself that there, there could be some roadblocks in the future. Can you believe that? And if your points are great. I think we've all had our doubts about Manning. He was 25 and 13 with Mitch. So it kind of makes you wonder if he, I mean, if he gets a legit quarterback, quarterback, I mean, is there a possibility that he can make something happen? But there, again, we, we talked about the question marks and that's still a question mark. His play calling, his selection is still in doubt. There's no doubt about it. His inability to alter the way he approached the offense with Mitch at the helm did not work. Well, the optics on that were bad. And I think, you know, ultimately the one thing that I want to mention really quickly is, there is this, I think, bridge to when they actually get on the field and play. I mean, it's a long time ago, but I couldn't play freshman quarterback and sophomore quarterback. I mean, Ryan would like vouch for me. I'm the smartest dumb guy I know, but I couldn't process it. I couldn't process the, the, the speed. And we had a simple offense, you know, so that ability for him to be able to physically do the job, mentally do the job, have the confidence and control the locker room, hold the, you know, uh, the Chicago press. I mean, think about the factors that are there. Super hopeful. Looks like they got it right, but we really don't know ultimately. And let's just be clear here too. Justin Fields is not Mitchell Trubisky. The bears have never, ever, ever had a quarterback of this stature of this pedigree uh, with this amount of talent, with this amount of uh, winning in their uh, in their history at their program, 
this has never occurred with the Bears. And Matt Nagy didn't pick Mitchell Trubisky. And in fact, the report came out, uh, his report on Mitchell Trubisky when he was working for the Kansas City Chiefs, he called Mitchell Trubisky the ultimate project, right? And he uh, had Patrick Mahomes listed as get him no matter what. I don't care what you do to get him, just get him. So I think that the evaluation is correct, right? We have the evaluation correct. And that's more, that's more than half the battle. That's got to be 75% of the battle. So we have that down right now. It just comes down to, can we develop him? And, and honestly, I think that if Andy Dalton isn't three and one by week four, put in Justin Fields. I'm a big proponent of actually learning by doing. Uh, that's just what how I learn the best as well. I've been thrown into careers, including this, these past couple of years, you know, my first few years of teaching and you just got to do it. You got to jump in. And I believe in that. And, and I think Justin Fields has, has the aptitude to be able to adapt and learn on the go. Hey, look, I, I, I golfed with my uh, girlfriend's dad this weekend, and that was adapting on the go right there to try to not hit the ball straight into the water every single time. So Justin Fields can do it, too. You, you know, the one thing that, that uh, Dan Goodwin and I got to talk about, guys, is think about Kyler Murray. Think about um, uh, Justin Herbert. Think about Jalen Hurts, right? All three of these guys in their rookie year were significant playmakers got guys that that got it done at a very high level and you know that's one of those things where i understand andy dalton but that contract looks awful right now paying that much money when you could have found a way to keep kyle fuller and get justin fields and then oh by the way keep nick Foles as your mentor quarterback whatever he's going to be you know quarterback on the sidelines whatever it might be gentlemen i i would love to continue this conversation but we got a lot of other draft picks to talk about and especially you know we spent a lot of time talking about how they need offensive line help and they've got it they've got tevin jenkins 6'6 320 pounds they've got larry borum who's also 6'6 332 pounds. Gentlemen, I watched a video of Tevin Jenkins bench pressing 405 pounds. He did 36 reps of 225. He is a big, big, strong man. And one of the things that you are reading over and over again with both of these guys is that they are mean. They are nasty. They love to finish blocks. They love to punish people and push them around. I'm kind of curious. The one thing that I do want to throw out to you guys, or rather the question that I want to ask you is a lot of people are projecting Larry Borum as a guard, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense because it would appear that the Bears offensive line, the interior of Sam Mustafer, James Daniels, and Cody Whitehair seems to be pretty solid and it's just they need help at tackle. I'm kind of curious. Logan, I would love to start with you, especially because I know you spent a lot of time looking at these guys. What are you kind of thinking about that? Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't know a whole lot about Borum at this point, but if you're going to talk about the Bears, I think I, I don't have, I don't even care if it's interior or tackle at this point. If you're the Bears and you're drafting offensive linemen like they were with, uh, with those two picks, that's all you have to do. Because I, I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm sitting here at like 160 pounds soaking wet. I'm not going to talk about offensive line play and, you know, what's <laughs> happening there, but like, I would like to think if you are drafting and developing guys, you could draft a guard and who knows, maybe he could be a backup tackle someday. But 
the Tevin Jenkins pick, that, that was the most no-brainer pick of the century, the fact that they went after offensive line. But the fact that they're going after offensive line multiple times in the draft early, quote-unquote, for the picks that they had, you build depth. That's all that you do. You've, you've seen, like, you know, Charles Leno Jr. was a seventh-round pick, and you ended up extending him. You can say what you want about him. He wasn't the most effective at times, but you find these guys and they turn into being either solid backups or starters. So you have to take shots and the bears have been known to be a team that they certainly don't take early shots on offensive line. So I I just appreciate seeing that happening twice when it obviously should happen. I think going into the draft, Ryan, you and I spoke briefly and I don't think we thought the offensive line was quite as bad as advertised. I think it had made pretty significant improvements. You could include a caveat caveat that perhaps that was against some bad teams. But I think the development was there as we broke down film and looked at some of these key components that you were talking about. I think they were blocking better than people thought that they were. So, so now you are that much better. And uh, I think that makes the case for, for Michael a little bit. If you are going to plug and play Justin Fields, at least hopefully now you can be, feel a little more comfortable about your offensive line. To, to draft Jenkins and have him be a plug and play right tackle, he played a little bit of left tackle. He played a little bit of guard, I think, as well. But he's your right tackle. And here's the thing. And then when you add you know, Larry as well. So now you've got depth. And now maybe what you have at the, at the position is competition. And I think when you start to look at a group in a room where they're starting to compete against one another for jobs, and there's concern that the guy over my shoulder is about to take my job, that's fantastic. I mean, I think between those two draft picks, the improvement in the offensive line coach, and having some competitiveness within the offensive line is going to be awesome. Yeah, I think wherever Borum ultimately lines up is certainly going to be impacted by really two things. Number one, how they really view James Daniels. Because if you talk to some, some you know, in-the-know kind of offensive line gurus, they say that James Daniels' ceiling is really at center. And so if, if you're trying to get the most out of James Daniels, who remember is a second round pick and he really was flashing uh, at left guard before he tore his pack last year. If you really have belief that he's going to reach some sort of all pro caliber at center, you put him there. That's it. Uh, Sam Mustafer is an undrafted free agent and he did a really, really nice job. I really hope he's busting his butt in the workout room this off season. You know, we'll see what he can do, but Borum, you know, I mean, he is massive. He is a huge, huge dude. So, you know, the weaknesses that I saw is he's kind of slow, uh, uh, to kind of catch up with some of those speed rushers. You know, I saw some video and I, I just saw some pictures. His arms look kind of short, so that's probably like a knock. I know that they talk about how tackle should have really, really long arms. I'm not sure how important that is. But, um, you know, just his girth, his, his, his size, you know, I could see him certainly moving, moving to guard. But, you know, whether or not, you know, wherever he plays is going to be Im- impacted on, on several things 
like the James Daniels, uh, Sam Mustafer situation at center. And then also what we do with Charles. Is he going to get cut? Is he going to get cut? Because well, then Jenkins I, goes to left tackle, and then you got Effetti and Borum at right tackle, right? The, the cap situation as it sits right now, the Bears do not have enough money to sign the draft picks that they just made. They're going to have to move some things around. It sure would make a lot of sense to see Leno go in terms of a cap situation, but you need some experience there at tackle, and so that doesn't. Now, gentlemen, yet I want to shift again one more time. It, it does seem a little bit, and I'm really curious, and Logan, I want to come to write to you with this one, is Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, and then Khalil Herbert. Obviously, with Justin Fields' running ability, it almost seems as though the Bears might be shifting towards a run-first offense. Am I crazy in thinking that that may be a possibility? I do think so, just because of Matt Nagy and what he's proven to us so far. Um, I mean, as late as they took Khalil Herbert, um, I, I, I just don't think that there's enough stock in him. From, from what I've read, from what I've heard, it seems like maybe he, they hope for him to be a punt returner, possibly along with Daz Newsom, I know, who we took from North Carolina. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. So the, the one thing about uh, Khalil Herbert is he started off his career at Kansas, wasn't really a featured back, didn't do so well, then made it to Virginia Tech his senior year after graduating from Kansas and lit it up. I mean, had the fifth most rushing yards in college football with 1,183 yards. And gentlemen, this is insane. 7.6 yards per carry uh, in, in 2020, and that, that's insane. So I think there could be a lot of upside to this kid, but obviously right now, I mean, you, you got to think, you're, you're looking at Fields, obviously, and then Montgomery, you've got Herbert, you've also got Damian Williams, and oh, by the way, Tariq Cohen is back. You, you mentioned Damian Williams, and I forget, that, that just makes me think like this pick is a when you're taking a running back past the, you know, honestly, whatever round past the third or fourth round, I think you're just going completely on upside because you've seen so many running backs. Aaron Jones was a fifth round pick. I think that it's just worth it at that point. So many other positions are probably very hard to develop. You can probably look at the Bears depth chart at running back and see that it maybe is a little thinner. Like you said, Damian Williams is a great addition, but I think at that point, running backs are great great place to try to take a swing later in the draft because you can really hit a home run yeah there's a lot of value in in fifth sixth round you know running backs jordan howard was a fifth round was a fifth round back uh back in the day he was awesome but you know you also mentioned uh ryan that he had 7.6 yards per carry he also had 27 yards per kick return and don't forget Cordero Patterson is gone. Cordero Patterson is gone. And we're all super upset about it. He was super engaged with the fans. He was super fun. And, you know, he's one heck of a kick returner. And, you know, he was a lot of fun to watch with the Bears. And I'm going to miss him, frankly. But 27 yards per, per kick return for Khalil Herbert, which is pretty good. And in round six, you know, you find value where you can get it. If it's a running back, whatever. And remember that, you know, even if you're taking players at positions of, of strength, that's positions of perceived strength. And remember that because people can get injured. People can fall off uh, in round six, seven, just take the best player available. And I think that's what Matt did. Should be interesting. I think you're exactly right. I think 
both with Newsom and with Herbert, the thought was we don't have Cordero Patterson anymore. So at the very least, what you have is two return guys, potentially. I think two very good return guys. But on the, on the other hand, if they hit their ceiling, it seems like they are two dudes who have the ability to contribute to the offense, possibly if they show up great at camp. Be, you know, they could possibly very, be very exciting. So there might be some great you know, upside to, to both of these guys. Although on the downside, I mean, it doesn't look like Herbert's developed really any hands out of the backfield. He doesn't really make any catches. 5'8", 210, uh, runs hard. I, I mean, I really loved watching him run. And he can run away from people. And he is, has excellent vision. Let's talk about the most important thing about him, though. He was born with 12 fingers and uh, a sixth toe on his left foot. And so uh, apparently they surgically removed <laughs> one of the fingers, but he still has the extra toe, which, I mean, if we beat the Packers, I'm going to point to that. Jack, you bring up a really good point. Yeah, he, he, he's not known for catching passes out of the backfield, but he is fast. Uh, 4.4640. That's crazy quick, especially for a running back described as a bowling ball. I do want to move on to Daz Newsome because, you know, and the first thing that I'll say about this guy is after watching an interview, he called it Illinois. Um, And I, that's that dude for me that that that's uh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to give you a knock right off the bat for that. But I think, you know, you guys already kind of talked about it, you know, seeing that he could be the slot receiver and a returner 9.9 yards per punt return. That's pretty darn good. He's tough. He's quick. He makes really good cuts. Um, But, you know, uh, he has a little bit of trouble with early contact. If he's kind of bumped at the line of scrimmage, uh, he seems to get knocked off of his routes uh, a little too easily. That's something that obviously they can work on a little bit. Um, I don't know. Is this, is this guy going to be the slot guy with Allen Robinson on one side, Darnell Mooney on the other, and then him sitting in the middle? Well, it provides competition, I suppose. And it provides some depth, right? You also have Marquise Goodwin in camp, which who knows how that's going to go. I think you nailed it though. I think you did, Ryan. I mean, ultimately 5'10", 190, 4.3840. You know, watching him, he can run jets, drags, sweeps. He can return. Um, I was concerned on one of the reports, you know, you made the point about him getting bumped and, you know, getting off his, his route. I saw too many drops uh, and needs improvement on his route running. So I thought, you know, I think really besides the first two picks, Honestly, well, and I think also Khalil Herbert is a, is a really good running back, but it looked like Larry Borum's going to have some development to do. He's going to have some transition to do. You know, I think Daz Newsom's going to definitely have some growing up to do, and he needs to gain some, some experience at the position. Um, but I like, the, I like the possibilities. I like the potential upside. We'll just see how it plays out in camp. I like Daz. I, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna break the team anytime soon as as a third uh, wide receiver or slot receiver. I just don't see that in him right now. But you know he was really productive at North Carolina. He he led the ACC in receptions. And if you would just watch his highlight film, some of those highlights are insane. So I mean he can make a big play, and he can make a big play in crunch time too. And, you know, that kind of swagger goes a long, goes a long way in, in the NFL. So I like highly productive players. One of the reasons why I like Fields a lot, uh, a long tenured history of, of production. 
So I liked as, uh, especially in, in, in that spot at 221 in, in round six. So guys, I, I was really fortunate to be able to be on two other shows this, this past weekend, the Irish Bear Show. Um, Kieran over there is doing an amazing job. And our guy, Anthony from Cork, uh, who's, who's become a very good friend of mine, uh, he's co-hosting. Great, great job. Love what they're doing. And also, I got asked to be on Roar of the Lions, a UK podcast uh, for some Lions fans. And we got to talk about this. And so guys, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Um, if we think about Alan Robinson, his contract and Anthony Miller. I kind of feel like Anthony Miller is going to be gone. He's going to be cut, traded, something along those lines at some point. At least I'm kind of hoping for that. Um, I'm not a fan of his whatsoever, but I really believe that Allen Robinson is highly motivated to stay here in Chicago now that they have Justin Fields. I bet he's waiting on that long-term contract. And if that long-term contract is signed, it could really help this cap situation uh, as it sits right now. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think if Ryan Pace can pull off signing a Rob to an extension, he's going to get a statue in front of Soldier Field because that would be amazing. I, I really, I really don't think that signing Justin Fields will impact a Rob's willingness to come down that much. I, I think it might a little bit, but we're talking about, you know, generational money right? And, and money speaks volumes. And that's what these players want. And, and for the most part, that's, they want to get as much money as they can get. And you can't blame them for that at all, right? This is, this is talking about your kids, your grandkids, your great grandchildren kind of money. And so maybe it'll, it'll help out a little bit. Maybe it'll make them feel a little bit more comfortable, but I, I, I don't think it's going to impact uh, the dollar value really that much. But I, I don't think that Anthony Miller is going to get cut uh, considering that, you know, we spent our uh, second round and fifth round pick on, on Tevin Jenkins and Larry Bourne. We just don't have another wide receiver. Are you willing to throw out Riley Ridley? Are you willing to throw out, you know, Daz Newsome or Javon Wims? I'm not, I'd rather have Anthony Miller there. Um, if we could have traded him during the draft for a fifth round pick, I would have done that. I was hoping that we could couple him with Nick Foles and shoot him somewhere far, far away, but obviously that didn't happen. I just wonder, has the wide receiver position group become the worst position group on the offense all of a sudden? And honestly, I mean, I think if you look at the depth at running back, I think you look at the quarterback room, all of a sudden it's way better. Offensive line, the tight ends, you're looking pretty darn good. You got some experience and some youth and size. Uh, I just wonder, I mean, maybe that is the Achilles heel of the draft. You know, maybe, and they only had so many picks. And I think, you know, they, they did what they needed to do, especially with those first three picks, quarterback, O-line, O-line. Uh, perhaps they haven't filled their wide receiver need. I mean, I think A-Rob is, is steady and he's really good. He's not going to blow the top off of any defenses here's the one variable if we take uh Tariq and put him primarily in the slot uh take him out of the backfield that 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 that's a game changer you know if Mooney is legit if Cohen is legit and A-Rob is legit and if we get one more guy to show up you know because you who was it earlier in the year that said you're looking at basically two guys right who need to make plays and then maybe a third. So 
The only thing I'll say about that, Jack, is if I look around this team, there are weapons galore. So obviously, I love your point about Tariq. I love that point. You know, I, he, he did a lot of his work in the slot, but Jimmy Graham is still on this team. And, you know, Cole Komet, his development as a playmaker, I think we're going to see a step, Darnell Mooney. Um, and then obviously, I think one of the guys that they've brought in, either through free agency or through the draft, right, they, they're going to have an opportunity to, to make an impact at receiver. Um, and then also think about Monty. I, there are weapons on this team for Justin Fields to, to walk into. Now, the question that I have, is Matt Nagy going to utilize those weapons or continue to try to say, hey, guys, this is my system fit into my system and 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 that's the question that i've been kind of asking myself for a while guys i do want to jump in there's there's two other draft picks that that i'm really excited to talk about the next one also found in the sixth round was thomas graham jr from oregon uh figures to probably be that that slot corner um maybe uh fighting it out with with duke duke shelley in some way um he he was a three-year starter opted out for 2020 uh but had a really 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 good pro day uh had 40 passes defended in his career gentlemen that's pretty darn good for a 5 11 193 pound uh cornerback also ran a 4 4 40 I like this kid and I am very anxious to see what he can do. Um, I don't necessarily see him starting opposite Jalen Johnson, uh, but I, I am curious to see what he can do. Gentlemen, what do you think about this one? That dude balled out at the senior bowl. And uh, I remember him specifically. He is sticky. And not only that, his reaction time uh, to wide receiver movements is amazing. Go, go watch the Thomas Graham Jr. highlight film where he's essentially mirroring a wide receiver. and he's, he's reacting to it. He's reacting, but it looks like a mirror. He's so fast. Uh, I love this pick. This is, the, this is the late round draft that I'm most excited about. I think Pro Football Focus had him uh, ranked as their 76th prospect, and we got him at 228. And so I, I don't know why he fell so far. I think possibly it's because he, he sat out of 2020. So the last time he played football was in 2019, but he was one of the best corners in the country in 2019. So I'm really curious to know why it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Maybe there's uh, some information amongst, you know, uh, NFL front offices that we just don't know. It looks to me like he's a he's a specialty defensive back, you know. So when you're set, I don't know if he'll line up across from Jalen Johnson. I don't think that will necessarily be the case. He had eight picks in three seasons. Looks like he's a cover guy. I mean, I think you made the point right away, Ryan. Looks to me like that's. I mean, of course, there's a lot of variables, but it looks to me like that's the spot he'll play. Right? He's got a, a very special set of kill, skills, and he will find you. Uh, so I agree. I, I thought it looked incredible uh, at the senior bowl. Mike, agree with you 100% on that. All right, guys. And the last one, and I, I'm going to put my, my tin hat on just a little bit for this last one. So Kairos Tonga uh, out of BYU. Uh, now, this is really interesting. I don't know that this matters in any way, shape, or form. The Bears had him listed at 6'2". Uh, BYU had him listed at 6'4". We're just going to call it a, a split at 6'3". 326 pounds, defensive lineman. He has a very troubled past. Uh, his senior year of high school, he was living out of his car with his mom. It was a really rough situation um, for him. He is big boy, 
difficult to move around, not the best interior pass rusher uh, ever. But gentlemen, here is my tin hat theory. The Bears have also brought in uh, defensive tackle Sam Kamara, defensive lineman Thomas Schaefer, edge rusher Charles Snowden as undrafted free agents. They have been signing a lot of defensive linemen for a position that I all thought, at least I thought, and I think we've talked about, was definitely a position of strength. Somebody's going to be getting cut. You know, Bilal Nichols having that great time. And then obviously with, with Eddie Goldman coming back, uh, it, it sure seems like we're going to be looking at a cut here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Jack, what you were talking about a little bit earlier, just breeding competition. But I already thought that was a very a, a strong position for the bears and was a little bit surprised to see this pick. Looks like he's going to be a, a space eater. You know, it looks like he could play some nose, maybe uh, some one or three technique and, and just fill gaps. Uh, from what I watched uh, from his time at BYU, uh, he looks like he is not afraid of contact. You know, you used to always hear like with Warren Sapp, like, you know, he's got a high motor, right? His motor's all always running I didn't see him just leaning on guys and I really liked that he looked like he was physical and a fighter and he at times was occupying not just one offensive lineman but two uh, which that's huge because now that frees up your linebackers to run and hunt which is what they're trained to do in the type of defense that the, that the Chicago Bears are running so super wild card not real sure um, I think your point is an excellent one. I think it's kind of cool. Let's, let's weigh some options here. You know, let's, let's see what we have. Let's put all those big boys in the room and, and let's, let, let, let's let the cream rise to the top. I love interior linemen, interior defensive linemen. They're some of my favorite players. I think it's because when I was younger, I really, uh, one of my favorite players was, was Tommy Harris. And ever since Tommy Harris came into the into the league and, and and the Bears drafted him, I've just been kind of obsessed with that interior defensive line position. It's just so much fun to watch. I watched a little bit of Tonga. You're right; he's not uh, an interior pass rush presence at all. But uh, we don't need a backup nose tackle to rush the passer, right? I mean, we had John Jenkins last year. And I essentially view Tonga as John Jenkins' replacement. And to get that in the seventh round is pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know, especially after reading some of the reports, these guys are like, yeah, one of Tonga's biggest flaws is that every time he engages with someone, he tries to murder them and he needs to be not so murderous. <laughs> and I just looked at that and I was like, really, really shocked. Like he's trying to murder everybody all the time. Uh, and he needs to be like a little bit more in control of himself and his body, uh, which I think good coaching can do. And I, I kind of like that little edge to him, right? He's trying to murder everybody. That's awesome. I saw that too, Mike. I thought that was funny because we may have read the same thing because the point was like, hey, dude, don't forget, you want to try to tackle the quarterback or the ball carrier. <laughs> like, It's not just you and the dude across from you, and you're not just trying to maul that guy. There's more to the game. Um, I wonder, though, real quickly, uh, you know, I heard one of the uh, analysts talk about the Colts going defensive end heavy 
after watching the Super Bowl and realizing the impact that the defensive ends had specifically in that game. And I just wonder, I mean, we're, do we have a second defensive end? And you know, if, if we do it on the roster, who is it? I don't know. I'm going to be really interested to see what Travis Gibson turns into. He had some meaningful snaps last year. And in fact, he had some flashes. He looked good in, in some parts. And I believe we picked him in the fifth or sixth round last year. I can't remember if it was the fifth or the sixth, but we did even trade up to get him. I remember that we traded up with the Vikings to actually select Travis Gibson. And so you know, we'll see what he does this year. I, I'm I'm hoping that he, after a year uh, of playing and and a full off season and a, and a full mini camp, that that he's going to be pretty good. He he has the physical tools, so so we'll see. And I think honestly that Robert Quinn's going to have a bounce back year. You can't duplicate that kind of horrible play back to back years when you have that kind of talent and that kind of pedigree. I think I think you know, he's going to bounce back a little bit. And if you go through his history too, he's had down seasons. I mean, just look at his stats. I mean, some years are really, really good. And some years are really bad. And this past year was, was just a bad one. So, so we'll hope that, uh, you know, he can get back on his feet. Speaking of trading in division, I think we all need to say thank you to Jerry Jones, who is one of the dumbest uh, people in all of football for trading in division in the first round, which basically allowed the Chicago Bears to trade with the Giants to get uh, Justin Fields. So hats off to you. Uh, coming back to your point, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Mario Edwards Jr. There's a lot to be excited about on this defensive line, which again brings up your point about Robert Quinn. I think he's he's going to have uh, you know more free lanes because the dudes that are up front. I mean, Bilal Nichols had a hell of a year, and now you're thinking, well, Eddie Goldman's coming back put him Akeem Hick that that's scary that is a scary defensive line which you know I'm, I'm hoping that somehow we can keep all of those guys but I don't know I'm, I'm just not sure that it can happen now gentlemen I'm not sure if you were paying any attention to this uh, but it seems as though there's a, another team in the division that's having a few problems right now with their quarterback um, one Aaron Rodgers uh, I in both um, the the Irish Bears show as well as the roar of the line that I was fortunate enough to be on. I was asked a lot about this Aaron Rodgers thoughts. I've got to put myself out there. So folks, if you want to hear it, you can go elsewhere. So, so Jack and Mike, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, is this, is this legit? And, and, you know, I mean, obviously we know there's a lot, a large impact if it is true, but your, your kind of thoughts on this gentlemen. I don't know if it's legit or not. And I'm going to guess that it is legit and that it's totally real and I think the biggest piece of evidence that suggests that is that the Broncos took Patrick Sertan at number nine. Because think about this, guys. You have Drew Locke and you have uh, Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterbacks. You have the ninth pick of the draft. Justin Fields has just fallen in your lap. But it just came out that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay and his preferred destination is Denver. And so, and if you go through some of these, some of these like interviews, you know, you have some of these Denver, uh, 
you know, front office people just kind of smirking and smiling and they're kind of like wink, winked at each other. It's kind of freaking me out. I can't wait to get as many details as we can about what exactly happened with that ninth pick because the Broncos had no business passing up Justin Fields at nine, none. And frankly, neither did uh, the Eagles, neither did uh, the Panthers and they all did. And they're going to regret that because I'm telling you, Justin Fields is fantastic, but there's some weird stuff that happens. So do you know what hats off to Aaron Rodgers? For, for leaking this, the day the draft started, what a king, what a king, just a mess stuff up. So in reality, we could have Justin Fields because of Aaron Rodgers. That is wild. I think it's pretty amazing, to be honest with you, how quickly that turned. I mean, to think that the Bears are happier about their quarterback position right now than Green Bay is? Would anybody have expected that prior to the draft? No. 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 Like, nobody. Listen, from what I understand, it's a contract issue. You know, I've heard about, like, the draft and his frustration over, you know, them drafting Jordan Love. It's probably, you know, a confluence of all of those events. But to me, it sounds to me they were working out a contract – and they've been trying to grind out an extension. And I think what he wanted in that extension was guarantee time and money over Jordan Love. Like, hey, I'm not going to be the placeholder and I'm not a lame duck quarterback. You're going to commit to me. I think he's still got two years, but I don't think that was really the issue. I think the issue was, hey, put your money where your mouth is. I'm a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm your franchise quarterback. The, the offense goes as I go, and I am valuable. So pay. So pay me. And, and this guy, Jordan Love, he's an afterthought in, in Aaron Rodgers' mind. So to me, if it's a contract issue, and I, there are a lot of fascinating ancillary issues, like, I don't know, Jeopardy and him retiring and him wanting to go to the Broncos. He's a weird dude, right? Like nobody's going to question his talent but he is awfully smug. I mean, dude freezes out his own mother. You don't think he can't freeze out the Green Bay Packers? You don't think he can't cold war the Green Bay Packers? Be like, hold my beer, bro, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't put anything past him, honestly. I, I think he's going to do what he wants. My only fear with this, guys, is that we heard that the sky was falling when LaFleur was signed as the head coach. Everything was falling apart. And I brought this up in the last episode uh, with Dan was they took two trips to the NFC championship. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I you know, the the the. The Bears fan in me, the the you know, the super fan Bears fan in me really wants to see Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else so we can reclaim the the tap of the NFC North. But I I just I don't know, I feel like I've seen this movie before. And you know, Aaron Rodgers is he just, you know, he 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 creates a mess and and then you know, hey, hey, you know what? I'm gonna come in and just, you know, be Aaron Rodgers again and and cause Bears fans pain all over the place. I don't know. You know, another part of it, another part of it is he saw what Tom Brady did, right? He, he, he saw Tom Brady go to a new team and dictate exactly what he wanted. And then what do you know? They won a Super Bowl. 
and it's just confirming, you know, to Aaron Rodgers that like, listen, if I do what I want and I, and if I can dictate how this team really operates, then, you know, we're going to have a winner. To, to your point, Mike, I think that's got to be something that's got to frustrate him to no end to be as good as he is and to make it to only one Super Bowl um, as it, when he's looking across the way. And in terms of talent, he's more talented than Tom Brady is. But Tom Brady has, he's the GOAT because of how many times he's won. I mean, we, we've talked about that endlessly on the show. I'm not going to argue it in any way, but, but Aaron Rodgers is a, he's, he's, he throws a better ball. I mean, there's, there's so many things about his game that are better, but I mean, he, he may never win another championship, which is just crazy to think about. You make a great point, Mike. And I'm, I'm fearful that you're right, to be honest with you, because I don't want the NFL to become the, you know, the, the dog water situation that the NBA is where these guys start dictating, you know, ultimately. And I understand why they would, I mean, if I had their talent and I could demand the money that they had, fully understand. But in terms of like, you know, the efficacy of the league, I don't, I mean, I don't watch much NBA and I'm not going to anytime soon because that loyalty, that tradition, boy, I, you, you make a great point, Mike. And I really hope that there's not like a, a Brady than a Favre effect that then just continues on you know, with these guys just kind of like holding teams hostages, hostage and then making demands and then rolling out to another team. I can't blame them for do it, doing it, but I just hope it doesn't happen. Folks, it was just so much fun to have these guys back into one space. Um, you know, obviously you could hear it. Uh, Logan uh, was recording from afar. And so Logan, we appreciate you taking some time away from family uh, over this weekend to, to step in with the BDR crew. Uh, Jack and Mike, man, it is so great to see you guys and to hear you guys. And I miss the banter. I miss the conversation. Uh, some of which we are editing out that you guys will not be able to hear, uh, but trust me, it was some good stuff. Few shout outs to give uh, just again, one more time to Roar of the Lion. Thank you so much for inviting me on to Matt and Ryan. I appreciate you guys very, very much. Uh, had, a, had a blast and can't wait to have you guys come on uh, when the Bears and Lions face off. It's going to be a good one. The Irish Bear Show, like I said, my man Kieran over there is doing a killer, killer job. If you guys get a chance, go check it out on YouTube. He does a really, really good work there. And obviously my buddy Anthony uh, is the absolute best. I love chatting with that guy. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, Matt Clapper and Mike Oosterwick have articles out for you guys on BeardownReport.com. Please give them a, a look. Some really good stuff. Um, obviously, those two guys are great, and we love reading whatever they put out. For all of you who are listening, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you guys greatly. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review. It really helps to widen our audience. For all of you who are listening, thank you so much. And as always, folks, bear down. Bear Down Report.